Well, hey there, podcast listener. How are you today? Like, really? Because if I could be honest, you're looking a little stressed out. And that's okay, because I've got your back. Because if you are feeling stressed out with life and work, left to feel unfulfilled, stuck, and ready for a new chapter to begin, well, I'm inviting you to change that. Because I want you to sit down with me and let's figure out a plan together, your life's roadmap, taking you from where you are right now and getting you to where you want to be. All you have to do is head on over to workwithkevin.coach. That is workwithkevin.coach to sign up. Until then, enjoy today's episode. When your life feels rocky, it's a really good time to pay attention. And when things feel like they're flowing, it probably means you're on your path. And I remember at the time I thought, gosh, that's so airy-fairy. Like, I want you to give me more applicable advice because I was kind of asking her, what should I do? And she had just offered that as her suggestion. And I, I was like, no, I mean, I want some very literal, like step A, step B, step C. And when she had said that to me, I wasn't probably ready to understand that she had offered me gold in that statement, but I didn't know how to <laughs> apply it at that time. So many people think that my story is inspiring. How I became blind at just 17 years of age. They always want to know how I've done it and how I've kept smiling all along the way. Well, I've just chosen to focus my attention on seeing the positive side to life. And here on the podcast, that's what I want to do for you. Because no matter what you may be going through in life, I hope to inspire you to focus on the positive. And you know what? I hope that I can also be a source of inspiration for you to just keep on smiling. Are you ready for a wake-up call to start living your life differently? Well, today on the podcast, I have my guest, Dr. Lona Cook, who has recently published her newest book, Reclamation, The Evolution of a Hot Mess, where she walks you through her own awakening while providing you with practical steps to achieve your own reclamation. Me? Well, I'm just your host, Kevin Lowe, and I'm about to have you diving in to episode 48 as we get to know more about this awesome lady, Dr. Lona Cook. So if you're ready, I'm ready, and let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Sure. Happy to. And it is where I start my book off and, and I'll explain why. So I was near the end of grad school. I'm a chiropractor. So I was in chiropractic grad school and it was in my last six months before graduation that I took a service trip to Costa Rica for about four weeks. And long story short, I was there for a couple of weeks. It was, you know, a day that we had off. And so I decided to walk to the internet cafe. It was broad daylight. They had told me, you know, don't walk places by yourself, but I felt safe. So I left and I started walking and about halfway to the internet cafe, a motorcycle pulled in front of me with two guys on it and cut off my, you know, my path and the back guy jumped off and it happened super fast, so fast. I didn't even have a chance to really be scared, but stuck a gun into my ribs and took my stuff. And as soon as it happened, it was done. And so I was really stunned more than anything. 
But with that said, I also found myself halfway from home and halfway to the cafe. So I was like, well, I guess I'll keep walking to where I was going. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, people like to ask me about it. And and it is kind of a sensational story to say, oh, I was held up at gunpoint in Costa Rica. and, And that's partly why I start my book there. But a lot of the like part I didn't realize at the time was I do believe that the universe or God, you know, sometimes has to give you quite a literal message. And sometimes it's in what we're experiencing in our bodies. And other times it's what's happening in the world around us. And that point in my life where I was held up was quite a metaphor for what was about to unfold for me. I thought I was going to move to California. I thought lots of things were what I was going to do next. And turns out as soon as I got home and was literally, I had packed up my apartment, was ready to drive out the next morning to move uh, across the country. I realized so many things were flying in my face that were showing me that it wasn't the right next step. And I was used to being kind of a bull in the china shop where I would just push through and do what I said I was going to do. And this was the first time that I, I really noted in my own mind that perhaps I was doing something wrong, and I should just pause for a moment. So I start the book there just because I think there's many times in most of our lives where we maybe keep doing something because we've always done it a certain way, or we've always labeled ourselves a certain way. And therefore, we stay within those boundaries. And that doesn't always serve our life. So I kind of credit this experience in Costa Rica as my wake up call, because it certainly was pretty abrupt. And that's where the story jumps off. Wow. So, so at that point, how old were you during when you were in Costa Rica? When I was in Costa Rica, I think I was 20, I was 24 or 25. I graduated at 25. So, okay. Yeah, I was 25. I was 25. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of funny though. Like when you, when you tell the story, is the fact of like how fast it all happened. And, but even though it was so fast and then you, you still went on to go ahead and go get your caffeine fix and stuff. I mean, at some point though, did, did finally the reality of the situation catch up with you and like, you have any like breakdown moment? I don't think the holdup was my breakdown moment. It, it seemed like that was the external embodiment of it. My breakdown moment was when I returned back home. And I was, I was working in another chiropractor's office. And I I remember I was getting phone calls from where I was going to rent out in California. And it was like, they would keep changing one thing after another about the terms of my lease. And it just seemed like all sorts of signs were starting to point me to the direction of like, don't, don't drive out there. Don't move out to California. This isn't where you're supposed to be. But I had said I was going, I had rented apartment, I had sent money there. And I remember sitting in the last day of this clinical rotation with this doctor in Minnesota. And she turned around to me and she said, I'm your sign. If you're waiting for a sign, I'm your sign. I'm telling you, you're not supposed to go. And she was a wonderful woman from the East Coast. She was pretty direct. And I remember leaving her office that night. And I I started to like cry as I was driving down the freeway back to my parents' house, which was about 90 minutes away because I had moved everything out of my apartments at that point. And gosh, I that was my breakdown point where I just kind of was like throwing my hands up in the air. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. I feel like here I am at the end of grad school. And I, 
I have no plan for my life yet. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. And I think that feeling felt like, oh my gosh, am I going to fail? What am I supposed to do next? I, I thought I was supposed to move to California, supposed to work in this other office out there. And it seems like that's not a good choice now. And, and so for me, that came shortly after I returned from Costa Rica. And that's why I, I kind of look at outer world and inner world is so directly connected. That's one thing that I've learned in being a holistic practitioner, you know, being a chiropractor, so much of what I've learned is that we tend to place things in silos, like our physical body, our mental health, you know, our emotionals. And certainly we don't see ourselves as connected to each other, connected to our external surroundings. But I really believe that our internal world is a reflection also of our external world and vice versa. And so for me at that time, I was getting a, a nice opportunity to pause and and look within and reframe and make some new decisions. Wow. No, that that's pretty that's pretty powerful. And I don't know, I think I think it's pretty neat to to go, like you said, as as this person who you know always had these plans and, and you were you're following after them and then you have this this set plan. It's kind of like this prime example of how the plans we have, then all of a sudden it's like, well, life has other plans for us. And right. and this battle within us to to not be stubborn and go with what we want, but trust in the fact of what the universe is telling us to do, you know? And, and so, so really thinking about it, like when you talk about, you know, like a literal gun to the chest type moment, you have that in Costa Rica, but you also had it in another sense when you're back home, when, when that, you know, professor or, you know, other doctor had told you like, you need to stay. You know, yeah. I mean, it's again, right there, point blank, putting it in your face. And it's exactly opposite of what you wanted, you know, <laughs> so. Totally. And that's yeah. why I felt like failing because I was so used to pushing, you know, I would just do what I wanted pretty much all the time. And so what happened shortly thereafter is I didn't go. I remember when I got home that night after crying while I was driving home, which if you knew me well, you know, I'm not a crier. And I remember my parents looked at me and they obviously knew something was up. And my mom asked me, are you, are you going? Are you, are we leaving in the morning? Are we driving out there? And I said, I don't know. And I went to bed. And when I woke up in the morning, I realized like, no, we're not going. And so that ability to kind of just sit for a moment and then also to just let go, not have to do what I said I was going to do felt really foreign to me. I hadn't processed that part of me before where it was like, you don't always have to be the one pushing the limits of whatever, you know, everyone else is expecting of you. And so when I didn't go, then I remember I had it that weekend and then I needed to line some things up so that I really would graduate on time. And so very quickly, I had to get on the move again. And it seemed like something had shifted where it had gone from like everything flying in my face, as well as being held up at gunpoint in the last month to the, the month after that. And then the next several months, things that were very like synchronistic or serendipitous started to happen where it just was like, wow, something is different now. Like my life feels way easier than it had. And the juxtaposition of the two was so intense that I had to pay attention to it because it was like, well, something is very different about my life right now. This new way of operating where I'm paying attention to how things are either opening up for me or not 
that was my awakening essentially of like, okay, there's a way to operate where you're not always forcing things. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Sometimes, yeah, it, it seems like that. And, and I don't know if it's, if it's just this like mentality that we grow up with that like life has to be difficult. You know what I mean? And like we yes. have to fight and we have to, to paddle upstream to, you know, be successful when sometimes you just need to like let go and just go with the flow. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. Well, and earlier in the year, a mentor had said to me, very similar to that, Kevin, where she had said, you know, when your life feels rocky, it's a really good time to pay attention. And when things feel like they're flowing, it probably means you're on your path. And I remember at the time I thought, gosh, that's so airy fairy. Like, I want you to give me more applicable advice because I was kind of asking her, what should I do? And she had just offered that as her suggestion. And I I was like, no, I mean, I want some very literal like step A, step B, step C. And when she had said that to me, I wasn't probably ready to understand that she had offered me gold in that statement, but I didn't know how to (laughs) apply it at that time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now I'm curious and and I'm going to say something and and everybody listening to to this podcast and stuff, I'm not being rude. She's the one I read it. Is that, I'm assuming it was around this time, maybe maybe even before this shift happened, that you you were an asshole, and, and something <laughs> yes. happened that you said that you you stopped being an asshole. So I'm kind of curious about that because, to be quite honest, I've kind of come to realize that assholes are always going to be assholes. So I'm I'm, I'm curious to find out about this. <laughs> well, my husband may still beg to differ that I could be an asshole. Um, yes, yeah, and. I mean, asshole to some people probably would be what they call me. I, I also think just really strong-willed. And and what I mean by that is like, if I had a plan or I wanted to do something, I was going to push for it to be done. So kind of a bulldozer, if you will. And because of that, I, I always had a lot of people in my circle. I think a lot of times people who are strong-willed kind of like get the party started or have the best plan to like, or at least they're going to push their plan and all of a sudden people follow. but. I definitely didn't take other people into consideration frequently. And when I was making these plans or the ripples off of what I chose to do or didn't choose to do. And, and I think some of that comes, you know, when you're young, you don't think about some of these things. At least I think many people don't. But certainly when I had this, this awakening, essentially, from, you know, finding myself where I didn't know what to do next, and then realizing that, wow, I could just let go a little more and actually go with what feels good and and try and pay attention more to this internal feeling that I have of like, move in this direction or don't move in this direction. Or, you know, what does my body feel like when I'm around certain people versus, you know, I think we all have these, I'll call them sixth sense or intuition. And again, if we don't get quiet enough to listen to it or pay attention to it, we disregard it. That was part of where I started to, I think, stop being such a bulldozer to people as well as, you know, I still am someone who is very assertive as far as like, I, I run several businesses and I, I have to have a plan. I'm, I am a leader within these. But I also realize my way isn't the only way. And I need my team and I need people around me who see things that I don't see. And I didn't have awareness to that before. So yeah, I'd say I was an asshole some of the time for sure. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's too funny. Too funny. So, 
at some point though, so I'm kind of curious though, you, you, you chose to, to not go out to California. And so you're having all this happen. So kind of where did life kind of take off from there? Because I mean, obviously you've, you've built your businesses and you have a family and all that. So how did that kind of, you know, transpire from there? I mean, was it, once, once you made that decision not to go, I mean, were you able to just fully embrace it? You know what I mean? Or was there still kind of for a while this holding on to that other idea? Just kind of curious what happened. Yeah. Once I realized I wasn't going, I was able to let at least California and whatever that dream had been to move out there and work out there go. I felt like, okay, it was pretty obvious that I wasn't supposed to go that direction by that point. But one of the things I had to rectify was that if you would have asked me during grad school where I thought I would live, you know, I, the last place I thought I was going to live was my hometown back in Wisconsin. And that seemed like where I was ending up. So (laughs) that was a hard pill for me to swallow at the time because I just, I don't know why I had, you know how you've probably heard the saying, like, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And, um, and that, that was very accurate for me at the time. I remember feeling very much like, okay, everything that I said I wasn't going to do was exactly where I found myself. Um, <laughs> you know, so I moved back in with my parents at first. But at the same time, I had mentioned earlier that these things that were just almost like magical started to unfold. So I, I was graduating. I had several job offers back here in the Midwest. And I also, at the same time, had started looking at square footage around here if I was to open my own practice. And I couldn't decide right away if that was what I really felt called to do. But I had a business plan and I started to go to banks. And the first bank I ended up going to, as I had my second meeting, they not only offered me a loan, but then hooked me up with an even better loan that was a regional loan, as well as a woman had called my house. She didn't know me, but she heard that I was going to potentially open this practice. And she volunteered her time for free to come and answer my phones. And it was just weird stuff like that, where I was like, okay, everything I had heard before was like, it's hard to get a business loan. It's hard to find an employee and certainly to pay for an employee. And I was having someone that was like, I'll work for free. (laughs) And, And she was wonderful. And so that's what I mean, where it was just so radical, the transformation that in such a short time it happened, it was like, all of a sudden, this way of operating that had felt rocky, like I was an asshole some of the time where I had a lot of shame and stuff I was dealing with. I still had to deal with some of that. Certainly, it didn't all go away. But it was like I was in a different energy where I could see that things were happening differently. And I liked how it felt because I could remember how the other part of me felt too, where it was like, okay, I'm going to just move with what seems to be unfolding for me and pick up some momentum in this direction because that it just feels easier. And so we opened a business. And when I say we, I mean myself and and this woman who worked for free for me. And (laughs) then eventually I could pay, I could pay her eventually. And then it just, it started to move quickly. So we grew a practice quite quickly and ended up opening another practice shortly after. So success in business happened relatively fast. And I really was enjoying like the healing work that we were doing. And then I met my husband who I'd actually known years before, but So it was just so many things that were kind of 
wild started to unfold in a good way. And then I really needed to start to deal with some of my leftover characteristics that I still had to like rectify from the period before. But I started to, I think, you know, have an internal conversation instead of before I never slowed down enough to really look at myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Total sense. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. And I don't know, I think it's, it's such an awesome, awesome example of, of, you know, what we were talking about earlier of just, you know, not, not listening to, to what your, your mind is telling you, your brain and instead kind of follow your heart and and what your heart's telling you, Mm. you know, it's right. And, and so I just, oh my goodness, I think it's just so awesome. Now, now at some point though, obviously enough happened in life and, and, and learning so much that you decided to write a book, which is kind of a big deal. And because is this, is this your first and only book or do you have other books besides the one that we're talking about today? Well, this is my first book that's really meant for anyone. You know, I think probably more women will read it than men just because it has a pink cover, but who knows? Um, <laughs> but yes, I have written other books, mostly within the chiropractic space. And this was where I, you know, kind of looking back, I've been in practice now almost 12 years, so much has unfolded for me in my life that I I do credit some of or a lot of what chiropractic has opened up in me, because it has such a beautiful philosophy of that life and our energy is all connected. And our systems or our nervous system is really the conduit of this energy that is coming through us and then out into our world. So we're electromagnetic beings, essentially. And as I've learned to kind of go down these rabbit holes of like more a quantum picture of the human experience and the body, the more I've realized this is really applicable to our day to day. If we understand more of our power, the power of where we place our energy, you know, we all know people who are in states where they're, they're down in the dumps and, and their life is a reverberation off of that. And then we also know people who have every reason to be down in the dumps, you know, from stuff that's happened in their past, right? And or or whatever it is that, you know, we could easily see why they wouldn't change their life and make a huge momentum, a beautiful experience out of their life. And yet, they're joyous, and they're creating all sorts of opportunities for themselves. And their state is a reflection of also this world that they've created. So our power is in recognizing we get to choose where we place our energy and our and our energy is therefore reverberating into our life. And that's either attracting more of what we are, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you get to decide. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I love it. I love it. And I think it is, I think that the energy, the energy that, that people possess and, and put off and stuff, it is, it's so powerful. And, and that, that's what I've always said. It's like you, you can talk to some people and you can just not even talk about anything of any importance. And, and sometimes they don't even have to say anything. And yet you walk away and either you walk away like smiling or you walk away just feeling like angry or down. And, right. and it's just simply like that energy force, you know, of, of, of each yeah. of us. And yeah, I, I love it. I love it. So now let's dive into this book because I'm super excited for us to, uh, to unpack this book and, and hear about it. <sighs> Reclamation, Evolution of a Hot Mess. 
So tell me about yeah. this. <laughs> okay. With, with well, the, and I just started to say, and this is the one with the pink cover. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, perfect. Thank, perfect. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I like the title because I think we all can identify as a hot mess at, at various points, whether other people know that or not you know, internal thoughts we have or chaotic parts of our life that maybe we don't want to unpack. But I wrote it like that because there are so many things that I do want to shed some light on from my own trajectory in life that also I think give people permission that it's okay that your life doesn't have to be Instagram worthy all the time or sharing only the highlight reel of your life and that you still are worthy and that your life and the the rough patches are generally also what crack open more light and more beauty in your life and more just of these worthwhile qualities in us. So the book is taking my crash course from getting held up at gunpoint and then talking about some of the things that happened before the gunpoint experience. So I drank way too much in college. I was a bartender. I put myself in some definitely not great experiences. And that's probably what led up to this gunpoint experience is that I was off course. You know, I wasn't living in an empowered life per se. It wasn't like the worst life either, but there was definitely a different way to live that I was going to find out after that gunpoint experience. So I used the juxtaposition of my own life as from this, you know, not aware state and some of the choices I had made to becoming more aware and also slipping up in between and making things that created other rough patches in hopes that by discussing some of the things I'm not proud of, but also some of the things that I am very proud of, that it helps other people with their own story and maybe some of the questions I offer at the end of the chapters so that you can look at your own story and maybe frame it a little differently so that it can empower you instead of disempower you. Wow, that's pretty cool. So, so the way the book's kind of set up is it's really meant to to not just be something you read, but really something that you then refer back to your own life and really be like a help to the person reading it. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Awesome. Now, now tell me a little bit about the the whole thing about your your view on the whole like mother-daughter relationships. Oh man, we could spend a long time on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that was part of where I called myself an asshole in that, uh, in the book. And I, I think I was someone who was highly critical of my mom. And I think mother-daughter relationships, a lot of times are, are somewhat fractured. And I don't, I don't pretend to understand always why. I think in hindsight, I always felt... Like my my mom, maybe I didn't live up to her view of how I should be. That was like my perception as a child that I felt maybe not fully accepted. And I think a lot of people can probably resonate with making assumptions on what you think your parent thinks of you. And then my mom, actually, part of the book, I talk about the process of, you know, I'm 37 now. My mom has been ill for quite some time. And witnessing her decline and also recognizing she's just human. And I had made a lot of assumptions up about what I thought she thought when really, I think I had it totally wrong. But as a child, I mean, you kind of hold your parents on a pedestal and, and then make assumptions around that. And so I think the bottom line when I talk about family dynamics is that we're all human and offering grace to each one of us, you know, all of us generally are trying to do the best we can. and. I, you know, my younger self did not recognize that. 
and now myself that has, you know, had to support my parents in a way of like going through some pretty traumatic health experiences in the last five or six years and witnessing how it breaks apart our family at times. I realized like, gosh, you know, everybody goes through stuff and recognizing that there's a learning curve in that where it's like, yes, this is gut wrenching to watch. And also it's teaching us something instead of always just feeling like there's so many negative things about whatever the experience is. It's easy. Like where my mom, she had ovarian cancer and then severe depression and, and, and really has kind of lost control of what we knew her to be. She's in a really rough state and it's easy to feel anger about that or to feel desolate or sad because she's not involved in life anymore in the way we used to know her. And then I also feel like, wow, she has really taught us a lot about what compassion looks like, about unconditional love. That I think is more of what human experiences is about is we're going to all have highs and we're all going to have lows and trying to realize that we're all just human and that connects us. So mother-daughter relationship, she is probably my greatest teacher. And some of the lessons have not been probably pleasant for either one of us. But I, I definitely discuss some of that in the book, some from my earlier years. And then towards the end, I discuss, you know, grief and watching someone really decline and not knowing how to help them. Yeah. No, and I think, I think, I think a lot of times too, as far as relationships, whether it's mother, daughter, or or any other type of relationship, I think for some reason, we oftentimes, the people who mean the most to us that we love the most are the ones that we sometimes treat the worst. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so, so yeah, and I just, oh my goodness, I think, but I do. And I think, I think it's so, so like awesome, like the stories of like you sharing that and then to the point where you are right now with your mother and, and it kind of comes back to, you know, just the importance of, of relationships, the importance of family and, you know, and just being there for one another. And, you know, and I think it's, again, I look at it for the fact of, you know, look, you've been able to be there for, for your mom through the sickness and stuff, you know, and it made it easy because you didn't listen to your own self and move out to California. You know what I mean? And you could be home and be able to, you know, be there for your family. And and I just think that's really awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm very grateful that I have been here. And and actually we had right before my mom really took a turn for the worse, we had moved back. We we're only three miles away. So, you know, it is again like I have to believe that there's organization in everything in the universe. Like you look at like how our bodies function or how nature creates these rhythms in how the leaf is patterned on the branch or how a sunflower seeds, how they are in the middle of the sunflower. And there's, there's this like intricacy of the geometry there. And so if I can see that there's this beauty and this orchestration that unfolds in nature, and I am part of nature, then even the stuff that we label as gut-wrenching and hard, I trust that there is some sort of organization there. I don't pretend to understand why or you know why these really tough points in life have to feel so like guttural but i also trust there's a bigger plan unfolding or a bigger picture unfolding so that's why i say like reframing your story when i'm like okay what has this experience with my mother taught me you know it's taught me a lot more about unconditional love it's taught me a lot more about some of the attachments i had in my family that maybe 
weren't always healthy for me. And, you know, I definitely think there's definitely a lot of adults that still are so attached to their parents in an almost like childlike manner sometimes that it keeps them from stepping fully into their adult life. That's something I, I do talk about in the book because I saw it within myself. Just things that, again, the awareness, just to have a different perspective on something. And that's definitely one of the things that's come out of witnessing what my mom has gone through is just giving me different viewpoints to, to look at myself, to look at her, to look at our relationship, to look at my family, to look at the family I want to create now that I have kids. And that's where I think we evolve and grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now I'm curious for, for somebody listening to the podcast today and they're, they're, they're listening to you and they're, they're hearing about your book and stuff. Who, who do you feel is this book is written for specifically? Is it any type of person? Is it any type of age group or point in their life? Or yeah. do you feel like it's something that could pertain to anyone? I think a lot of it could pertain to anyone. I, we actually just had a little book discussion in my office this past week where these lovely humans, I, I think because it's my story and I have put it out there now, it's it's like your baby. You don't know if your baby's not cute because it's your baby. You love every, every, every part of your baby. And so I just, I really appreciate when I've gotten feedback, kind of like, who do you think this book best serves? And I definitely think one of the groups, and it could be male or female is like people who feel stuck. You know, they feel like, gosh, I'm spinning my wheels or I, I'm not totally in love with my life, but I don't know what to do that. That would be a great person to probably read the book. And then I also think it's, it's a bit of a like, um, someone, someone else this week also told me it was like many professionals have to kind of rectify who they've been in their life in their younger years as they're stepping more into their professional career or their, their life they're creating now. So it's like, she said, it's great for women in transition from like their partying years into professionalism. And and I think that's part of it too, where I really try and underline some things about, you know, choices we made if like substances are involved and letting go of some of the shame and guilt there and also making better decisions, especially as you're taking on hopefully creating your career and your life and your family. So I think kind of when you're in that transition phase where maybe you're going from student or college or a new job and you're wanting to create more change in your life, this would be a great book for you too. That's awesome. And and I just have to say that I think it's really admirable of you to to use what has happened in your life thus far, the the good, the bad and the ugly and to put it out there in a book for the world to see but for the world to benefit from. And I do I think I think that's really really pretty awesome. Thank you so much. It has been a growing curve for me to feel like I wrote it. And that was the easiest part about this because I like writing it. And then the actual like, oh, I'm going to birth this into the world. I was like, do I really want to do that? I think <laughs> I do, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And, and and I think it's awesome. And, and you know, and, and I always say and people, you know, if they've been listening to other episodes of the podcast, they've heard me, you know, say this before is, is, you know, the things that happen in our life, the bad things, the ugly things, they're really only bad if we don't figure out a way to use them for good. Mm. And that, and good. I look at, yeah, and I look at you and I, I sit there and I think that's exactly it. Able to turn that around and use it to help other people. 
And at the end of the day, it all comes back to, you know, relationships and, and just helping our fellow human. And because, you know, life is tough. And uh, sometimes we just need a little bit of encouragement and reminder, you know, from, from other people that, you know what, I've been there too, and you can get through it. Sometimes you just got to let go and go with the flow of the river and stop, stop uh, paddling upstream. So. Amen. I agree. Awesome. Well, listen, I thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And, and I just uh, really appreciate it. And last but not least, where can everybody find your book at? Yes. Uh, thanks so much for having me. This has been fun. They can find it on Amazon. And I actually, someone was just telling me when I was at the book thing that, oh, you should do the like text to voice. So I'm going to try and figure out too, if I can uh, do that because I did not do it on Audible, but I'm hoping that we can figure out how to do that as well. And then I also have a website that is drlonacook.com. So it's just D-R-L-O-N-A-C-O-O-K.com. Awesome. Well, sounds good. Well, I will be sure that in the show notes, I will leave all the links and information for where somebody can find this amazing resource to, uh, you know, to help them get unstuck in life. So thanks for awesome. Of course. Well, thank you. And to everyone else listening, hope you enjoyed another episode here on the Lowdown with Kevin Lowe. And that's the Lowdown with Kevin Lowe. I hope today's episode inspired you, motivated you, and excited you to get out and enjoy life, no matter what obstacles may be standing in the way. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.